So the other day I was watching a recent video by TJ Kirk entitled Introduction, A Word on Jordan Peterson, The Order of Chaos and Antidote to Meaning. The title itself is an irreverent take on the name of Peterson's new book, 12 Rules for Life and Antidote to Chaos. For the sake of brevity, let's just say TJ, aka The Amazing Atheist, isn't a big Jordan Peterson fan. As for myself, I've often said that there's much that Peterson has to say that I agree with. I like his approach to religious and mythic symbolism, and I also appreciate much of his life advice, how to start getting one's proverbial shit together, the whole clean your room thing, etc. But as a non-believer, as someone who leans towards the materialist side of things, I've often found myself wondering, brass tacks, does the guy actually believe in a personal creator god or an afterlife? And TJ's video actually led me to a couple of Peterson clips that address that issue. Well, kind of. He seems to always remain frustratingly evasive on the subject. And so I'll play a bit from this first clip, and I believe it's entitled Jordan Peterson, Why I Am No Longer an Atheist. And to his credit, he doesn't mince words at the start. He comes right out and he states that he's no longer an atheist, no longer a materialist. But then characteristically, he avoids giving a direct answer as to whether or not he literally believes in some higher power or personal god. And I should clarify up front that in a sense, there's no wrong answer. People are free to believe in or not believe in whatever they want. I'm not such a staunch atheist that I can't find value or wisdom in some of what someone who happens to be a believer might have to say. But I guess as a non-believer, I'm just kind of curious. Here's this intelligent, insightful, well-spoken guy, a psychology professor no less, who likes to talk at length about the importance of religion, myth, and symbolism, etc. And I guess even though it might not be any of my business, I just kind of want to know what he actually believes when you really get down to it. When the brain dies, do the lights go out, nothing but the big long dirt nap, or does he actually believe we go somewhere? And I will say up front that I can definitely see the merit in his way of thinking. I think life probably is easier when you view it in a non-materialist sense and see meaning in everything and maybe kind of embrace this illusion, if that's not too harsh, of synchronicity or providence. But once again, at the end of the day, what's actually true? And no, I'm not using true in some pragmatic Peterson-esque sense of the word. I mean, what's scientifically or empirically true? But here's that first clip. I'm not an atheist anymore because I don't look at the world that way anymore. I'm not a materialist anymore. I don't think the world's made out of matter. I think it's made out of what matters. It's made out of meaning. Look at it from, a, from the perspective of modern brain science. What we orient towards unconsciously, which means what captures our attention, is meaning and it captures our attention before we know what it is. The brain acts as if the world's made out of information or made out of meaning. Heidegger, for example, German philosopher, was convinced that the world was made out of meaning, essentially, and that um, people's primary interaction with being was interaction with meaning. And that isn't what modern people think because they're deeply materialistic. If you go back 400 years or 500 years and you look at what people meant when they said matter, which is what things are made out of, what they thought matter was isn't like what we think it is. It wasn't like 
this material stuff, sort of like dirt that everything was made out of. It was, it was much more complicated than that. The problem with the standard view of matter is that it doesn't really deal with the fact that matter comes in arrays and in patterns. And the patterns and the arrays, which is sort of lost when you think about atoms, that's where all the action is. That's where the reality is. So it's interesting. He's speaking in the past tense. So he admits that at one point he wasn't atheist. He was a materialist. Then something happened to shift his worldview. And so there was that clever little statement, I don't believe in matter. I believe in what matters. And in a way, I'm kind of sympathetic to this point of view because I think in a sense, despite the fact that we're biological organisms existing, so I believe, in a material universe, in a sense, everything is mind or perception. We interpret the world through our senses and then experience everything in or via the mind. But I'm still of the school of thought that Matter matters, and without it, there wouldn't be a world or a self to experience. And it's funny how to prove his point he falls back on brain science. So in some way, he seems to recognize the reality of the material world and the benefits and reality of science, but chooses to view things in a non-materialistic way. And there's nothing wrong with not seeing things through a materialist lens every second of the day. When I'm out and about or taking in the beauty of nature or enjoying art or music or connecting with friends, I'm not constantly thinking this is all just matter. I'm enjoying myself as a human being, or at least trying to. But undergirding my worldview is the acknowledgement that there is a material world and certain scientific truths. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There seems to be this sentiment coming from Peterson at times, and perhaps this is why, in part, why he's garnered some appeal to some on the right. That materialist science or scientific materialism is somehow dirty or contemptible or worthy of disdain. And I don't think it has to be an either-or choice. I think, like myself, when you're out and about moving through the world, you can choose to kind of let go and see things through a kind of enchanted or poetic lens, and yet underneath that still hold a belief in rational materialistic science. And I think to some degree, ironically, that's what Peterson does as well. He speaks a lot as if he has this disdain for matter or being a materialist. And yet he still often references science, neurology, atoms, serotonin levels and lobsters, etc. And what was it he said? He even says, The brain acts as if the world is made out of information or meaning. The brain acts as if, meaning despite his disdain for materialism, he acknowledges there is a meat brain interpreting information or allowing us to interface with the world. But let's move on to the next clip. And I found out through TJ's video that Atheism is Unstoppable actually lampooned this clip a while back. Atheism is Unstoppable. Now, there's a name I haven't mentioned on the show in a while. But here we go. And it's entitled, I Act As If God Exists. A kind of telling statement in its own right. And it is taken from something Peterson actually says in the clip. Uh, but I think this was uploaded by a third party, this little excerpt. So I don't think Peterson had anything to do with the uh, how the uh, video was titled. So okay. people often ask me, do you believe in God? Which I don't, I don't like that question. So I don't like that question. Why not? I think whether or not there's a God 
is one of the most profound and timeless questions we face as human beings. First of all, it's an attempt to, to, it's an attempt to box me in, in a sense. And the reason that it's an attempt to box me in is because the question is asked so that I can be firmly placed on one side of a two, of a binary argument. Okay, so I can honestly say when I want to know whether or not a person I consider smart and insightful believes in a god, it's not some trick or some attempt to box them in. It's because I'm genuinely curious, and it's a profound question I wrestle with myself, although admittedly I do heavily lean towards the atheistic or materialist side of things. But I reach that viewpoint after a lifetime of wrestling with that profound question, is there a God? And in some real sense, I think I'm still a seeker, and I still have this kind of desperate hunger for other people's thoughts on the matter. And in fairness to Peterson, I know it can be a deceptively simple, or should I say deceptively complicated question. Uh, and I think it's good to try to clarify what one means by God. An impersonal God akin to something from Eastern religion, or to put it in pop culture terms, uh, something like the Force in Star Wars, some all-pervading spiritual force or essence or universal consciousness, or maybe something like in pantheism, nature, or being as God. Or are we talking about a personal deity, a great sky daddy who brought everything into creation? Some patriarchal deity with a list of things you shouldn't do. And yes, I did get that from George Carlin. Uh, with the power to bestow on you either eternal paradise or eternal perdition. And an important related question I'd have for him, do you literally believe in an afterlife? Excuse the graphic or extreme imagery, but if someone was to put a sawed-off shotgun in your face, or my face, to want to make you feel too uncomfortable, and blast apart your, my cranium, all airy-fairy metaphorical speech aside, do you think you actually go somewhere, or is it the big dirt nap? And as someone interested in the brain and the mind, and of our collective existential struggle, aren't you curious? Don't you think about it? But maybe this is another instance where Peterson's embrace of pragmatic philosophy comes into play. Um, maybe he simply thinks it's not useful to morbidly linger on the question of what happens after we shuffle off the mortal coil. Maybe he sees it as more beneficial to focus on being while we have it. And I suppose there's a certain wisdom in that. But me, I'm a glutton for punishment. I like wrestling with those big existential questions. And my mind is magnetically drawn back to uh, those questions. Like, what happens when we die? And is there, as I think Hunter S. Thompson said, somebody or at least some force tending the light at the end of the tunnel? And, and... The reason I don't like to answer it is because A, I don't like to be boxed in, and B, because I don't know what the person means by believe or God, and they think they know. And the probability that they construe belief and construe God the same way I do is virtually zero. Well, I think that's a bit of a cop-out. It should be relatively easy enough to simply ask someone what they mean by God and proceed from there. A personal God, impersonal God, the God of the Bible, the God of the deists, so on and so on. Two intelligent people should be able to lay a particular concept of God on the table and then honestly answer or comment whether they think it's valid or realistic. So it's, it's a question that doesn't work for me on multiple levels of analysis, but, but 
strangely enough, just as we were talking, I, the answer to that question popped into my head. I act as if God exists. Now, you can decide for yourself whether that means whether, that I believe in him, so to speak. I act as if God exists. I actually don't mind that answer. I find it kind of both fascinating and endearing for some reason. It's kind of a clever answer. But the next part where he says, I leave it up to you to decide whether you think I actually believe in him or not, that seems like a bit of a cop-out once again. It reminds me of a time not too long ago when the gay community wasn't quite as accepted as they are now, and once in a while someone would ask a famous person, an actor or musician, who people suspected might be gay, whether or not they were actually gay, and they'd always give some indignant or evasive answer like, I choose not to discuss my sexuality. I think it should remain private or whatever. And when I was younger, I'd always think, man, just answer the question. There's, there's no wrong answer. But this evasiveness always made it seem like they were hiding something. As a straight guy myself, I can attest that, generally speaking, we love any opportunity to broadcast the fact that we like women. And thusly, it was always my feeling that if someone was refusing to answer, it probably meant they were someone who happened to be gay, who was hesitant to come out of the proverbial closet. And I don't mean to sound too glib or insensitive, because I know for many, it's not easy coming out of the closet, especially in the days before this relatively recent sea change we've seen with a broader acceptance of the LGBT community, as well as a rapidly growing acceptance of gay marriage, uh, a very positive sea change in my opinion. But why am I talking about this? Oh yeah, I was drawing a parallel between Peterson's evasiveness on the God question and closeted celebrities reluctant to discuss their orientation. It's like, come on, uh, either you believe in a God and or an afterlife or you don't. You're a philosopher. Tell us what you honestly think. But I act as if he exists. So that's a good enough answer for that. Then with regards to these other issues, the divinity of Christ, well, I would say the same problems with the question formulation obtain. What do you mean by divine? And also, what do you mean by Christ? These are very, very difficult questions. No, they're not. And by Christ, I mean what most Christians mean. A guy who supposedly literally rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, walked on water, son of God, yada, yada, yada. And I know we, we can mince words, we can comb through the text, wax symbolic, or again to the doctrinal differences regarding the divinity of Christ in the days of the early church, etc. But I think that's kind of the consensus of what most Christians believe. Son of God, rose from the dead, etc. Either you believe that happened or you don't. Easy question. Christ as metaphor, as savior archetype, example of the dying and rising God motif, etc. That's all well and good, but most people, I think, either believe he rose from the dead or didn't. You know, not difficult questions in my humble opinion. Now, I believe that, for all intents and purposes, I believe that the Logos is divine. Insofar as we if, if by divine you mean of ultimate value, of ultimate transcendent value, yes, it's divine. It's associated with death and rebirth, clearly, because the Logos dismantles you and rebuilds you. So that's what happens when you make an error. When you make an error, some part of you has... So here he gets into the symbolic value of the concept of the Logos, a Greek word meaning roughly well, word, but also to speak, or I say, I think, 
It was also a term used in pre-Christian Greek philosophy and was associated with order and knowledge, rational discourse or argumentation, etc. Then the Stoics associated it with the divine animating principle. And I wonder if there's a link there between that use of the word and how it came to be used in Christian theology. It's a title or honorific use for Jesus in the Gospel of John, I think. Uh, Jesus is said to be the Logos incarnate, or the Word made flesh. And it factored into trying to resolve or determine the exact nature of Christ's divinity, Christ as pre-existing second person in the Trinity, etc. And I get what Peterson's trying to get at with his psychoanalytical and metaphorical use of the word Logos, but still, there's a pretty big difference between employing the term in that sense and literally believing someone walked on water and rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. I don't think the average Christian is walking around thinking of Christ as merely a psychoanalytical metaphor. And I know I keep making these Jordan Peterson videos, and it probably seems like I'm trying to beat up on him somehow. But once again, I actually like a lot of what he has to say. Uh, I'm not touching his recent comments on women in the workplace with a 10-foot pole, uh, but his life advice about bettering yourself and getting where you want to be, his psychological use of religious and mythic symbols, I like all that. It's just our worldviews clash when it comes to his view on scientific materialism, etc. And uh, atheism. But with that being said, I guess I'll call it quits. So thanks for listening, guys. You know the drill. Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Maybe you're watching the YouTube version now. Uh, if you want to help the show out monetarily, you can go to patreon.com slash theweekendout and help the show out for as little as 99 cents a month. And speaking of that, and I usually do this at the top of the show... I want to thank my friend Neil Gaffey, who I mentioned last week, for actually becoming a Patreon supporter. And I think I mischaracterized him as a person of faith. <clears throat> Turns out, uh, not so much. Um, so sorry about that, Neil. And uh, thank you very much for supporting the show via Patreon. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, so, all right, guys, until next week.